coming up next on the Passion Struck Podcast. So there are ways of being able to create a new kind of economy, but our lack of imagination is really at the root of it and not at the root, but it's one of the pillars that's keeping us stuck along with organizations and companies saying, we're going to milk this cow until it falls over and, and let the society be damned. We're, it's all about shareholder value. Welcome visionaries, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, leaders, and growth seekers of all types to the Passion Struck Podcast. Hi, I'm John Miles, a peak performance coach, multi-industry CEO, Navy veteran, and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide. And each week I do so by sharing with you an inspirational message and interviewing high achievers from all walks of life who unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming passion struck. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you tips, tasks, and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue the passion-driven life you have always wanted to have. Now, let's become passion struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Passion Struck Podcast. And thank you, each and every one of you, who come back weekly to listen and learn to live better, be better, and impact the world. I wanted to wish all the listeners today a very happy new year. And I hope all of you have an extremely prosperous 2022. Thank you for your support of the show over the past year and helping us reach some major milestones, including over a quarter million downloads, 3,200 five-star ratings, and a ranking in the top 0.1% of all podcasts globally. None of that would have happened without your support and you telling like-minded friends about this show and the impact it's having on your life. And to that note, if you have a friend or family member who you would like to introduce the show to, we now have starter packs. These are collections of your favorite episodes organized by topic, which is a great way to introduce this show to a new listener and give them a taste of everything that we do here on the show. Just go to passionstruck.com slash starter packs. Also, if you haven't been to our YouTube channel, please check it out at John R. Miles. We have over 200 different videos there and we release three new ones a week. Some long form like today's episode and others two to eight minute short videos we call Mindset Moments. Today, we have an episode like I have never done before with Chet W. Sess. Chet is a futurist, author, and visionary. Chet's focus is on developing organizations and individuals that can thrive and succeed in a time of massive change. Affected by climate change, technology evolution, and social political disruption. In today's discussion, we dive deep into Chet's background and how he became a futurist, what it means to be a futurist, why he started the UBR Climate Strong Initiative. We discuss his book, You and the New Normal, and why the world is in the middle of a gigantic paradigm shift. And finally, which was extremely fun for me, he and I debate his top 10 predictions for 2022. Thank you for choosing Passion Struck and choosing me to be your host and guide on your journey to living a no regrets life. Now, let the journey begin. 
so excited today to have Chet Siska on the show. Welcome so much to the Passion Start Podcast, Chet. Thank you, John. It is a pleasure. And it really is a pleasure to be with a kindred spirit when it comes to looking forward and being a seer, as it were. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about the, the predictions uh, we get to make for 2022. Well, I think the timing is going to be excellent um, for the listeners to hear about this. And I'm so excited uh, to discuss this with you and hopefully we'll have some dialogue around it. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about the best way to start this episode. And I think maybe the easiest way is how in the heck do you become a futurist? <laughs> yeah, it's not like there's a school you can go to and get a master's degree in uh, futurism. It doesn't exist. But I will say this, that my, my form of futurism is really being a glorified journalist. I was uh, trained, I'm a trained journalist from the School of Journalism at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, go Salukis. Uh, and so you, we use some of the basic tools of journalism. You ask if you're seeing something, you ask the basic questions. What is it that I'm seeing? Um, how, do, how do I follow the stories? Because you want to follow it over an extended period of time. Uh, you want to ask questions about the money. Where's the money coming from? Because that usually tells the truth. Um, you also want to ask a question about, uh, are there any historic comps? Uh, some comparisons in history that look like this that you can point to. And then you want to ask a question about your gut. What is it that you believe that you're seeing? What experience have you had to make you see something that's familiar that you can make some kind of judgment uh, uh, on this particular subject? Um, so you have to trust your gut. For some reason, we've gotten away from that. We People think that being a trend analyst or a futurist is um, data-driven, and it is but it's not data exclusive. You have to use your intuitive self to lean into it, to figure out what, what you're seeing. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, one of the most famous leaders of our time, Tim Cook, uh, when he talks about how he makes his most important decisions, including the one to join Apple when he had just recently joined Compact, he said, mm -hmm. you can have all the data in the world, but if you if, you're, if you don't trust your intuition, which right. is what he uses to, to make the decisions, and you can see, you know, I don't think anyone thought when he replaced Steve Jobs that Apple would not only stay on the tra same trajectory, but go to the market cap that it's at today. So right. in yeah. intuition definitely plays a key role. Yeah, I I'll say I never heard that quote. Uh, maybe that's to my embarrassment, but that is just my personal experience that your intuitive self, your gut, as it were, your second brain, and most people are starting to realize that there are more um, uh, tools inside of your gut that work just the, as well as your brain when it comes to giving you information and discernment. So you really do want to trust that, that gut, that part of you that says something don't feel right, or this feels right. So that you, you pair that with the data and you got a pretty strong force. Yeah, you do. Well, I, some, this is something I don't think I've ever talked about on the podcast, but um, um, I have a bit of a journalist background as well. Although mine was completely 
by accident. <laughs> I was an I became an accidental journalist. Um, oh. I I I had a, a business where I would go in and do interim roles, um, and I was hired to become the chief marketing officer for this company called Bold Business. And Bold Business has a digital publication. And before long, you know, I was the associate publisher, but then for about 18 months, I became the editor in chief. And we were really trying to do a lot of stories about how the future of work, the future of business, which was going Mm. to change. And so it, I I can see where you're coming from, Mm -hmm. from the journalistic sense in that you, you get to do some pretty creative things when you've got that yeah. medium um, at your disposal. Yeah, I, I have to say, from a journalist perspective, all of the stuff that's happening right now just absolutely drives me crazy. It's just deception and lies. And, and I mean, every journalist out there, any trained journalist who spend time in, in, as, you'd, as you have, you sit back and you say, I never would have done anything like that. I never would have gotten away with anything close to that, even if I would have tried it. But here we are in the midst of really levels of propaganda and deception and uh, that I've never, I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. It's just stunning. Um, But that is where we are. That is the truth of our moment. So yeah, journalism makes you just cringe a journalism background makes you cringe when you look around and you see the horrible abuses to just the truth, let alone just uh, journalistic integrity. So it's, yes. it's problematic. It just drives you crazy. Oh, well, that is definitely the case. Well, I, I know you've written a number of books and I thought maybe this might be a good time before we start getting into your predictions for you to tell the audience about a few and I'll, and I'll put them in the show notes and uh, put them on our book list as well. Absolutely. Um, the, most of my books are all about change and transformation. That's what I've learned to do is to observe what change and transformation looks like on a personal level and on a scaled level. So my first book was called Seven Steps to Success I Learned from Homeless People. I spent 12 years as a volunteer at a homeless shelter in Denver called the Samaritan House. And so it gave me an opportunity to really just observe how homeless people traverse that whole space in crisis and trauma. And you'd be surprised the things that we can learn from people who had to walk through some of the nastiest things you could ever think of. And then uh, Because You Can, uh, it was the second book after that, it basically we chronicled that experience and started testing some of the students that went through my class and the ones that didn't. And we found that the ones who went through my particular class, it was a class that I held when we started uh, a class that was based around the idea of uh, higher thought, uh, vision, uh, positivity, some of the basics. And uh, the students that went through our class we're 36% less likely to return to homelessness. So we started realizing, oh my gosh, we're onto something, that if you give people a vision of what the other side of the trauma looks like, they will walk through fire to get to that. And so then I wrote a third book about uh, just the whole experience again, but this was called Think This, Not That, that our thinking has an effect upon how we see, how we 
are able to visualize possibilities that we're being entrained into constantly, you know, th there's a kind of a dumbing down of our cognitive abilities, of our creative abilities, our visionary abilities. So everything seems darker when you no longer have those tools to be able to see bigger, better, and broader. So we start developing a negativity about life in general. So think this, not that really kind of goes into that in more detail and more. And, and then three other books above it, above and beyond all that we know. Uh, a second book uh, I wrote, that came out last year. Uh, it, we were writing about it before the pandemic started, but we came out with it like in the first, maybe in March or April of last year. It was, it, but that book is called You and the New Normal. So we knew that something was going to happen. It was me and my colleague, Dr. Mohammed Boheji. He was kind of, um, he, he's a, oh, he's an epidemiologist and he studies the whole aspect of pandemics and such. And he was telling me when we used to meet, say, oh, these things are going to happen. And then I would say, oh, well, since I'm a futurist, I should be talking about it. So we wrote a book together about what the new normal would look like uh, once a pandemic would come in and shake things up. And then the last book uh, is called uh, What a Reimagined Society Looks Like. Again, it, it, it still follows the path of what change and transformation looks like. Change and transformation is, happens naturally, but we can intend it as well uh, so that we don't have our visionary and creative self blocked from thinking bigger, better, stronger. And that's what we need to do now. So... Yeah. Well, 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 that's great. Um, and I, I can't wait to check a few of those out. Now, wh when I was at Old Business uh, talking about the pandemic, similar, it sounds like, to what you did about four, four to five years ago, I wrote a pretty lengthy article um, explaining why it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when the pandemic yeah. was going to hit. Because... Yeah we've become so close to animal species where most of these pandemics um, originate from that the ability for that to transverse into humans, which is exactly, you know, what we're, I think we're going to find happen with COVID um, is very, very easy to do. Um, yeah. And then because of how interconnected we are today with global travel and everything else, the mm -hmm. ability for this to just, go throughout the world, even like we're seeing with the Delta virus, you know, the Delta variant and this new variant that we oh, have, it, it yeah. just spreads so quickly. There's really no yeah. way you can contain it unless you're in New Zealand and you can shut down the entire island. <laughs> and a lot of people are taking that cue, as a matter of fact, especially a lot of well-to-do people are taking that cue. You've heard about the bunkers and such being built on New Zealand. Have you not? I have not. Yes, yes, there's a trend of the very well-to-do are moving to Hawaii or New Zealand and setting up bunkers and, you know, estates so that they can ride out the zombie apocalypse or whatever they're, they're thinking that's coming down the road. But New Zealand is definitely, uh, it's in the top three of destinations for the well-to-do when it comes to dealing with pandemics and crises and, and such. Well, interesting. Now you've piqued yeah, no, my right. weekend curiosity of what I'm going to research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, something. Well, I don't want to 
take all our time talking about this when we've got these amazing 10 predictions that we're going to go yeah. through today. So why don't I turn it over to you and you can start talking about them and we can have a dialogue about them. Absolutely. I want to make sure that everybody understands what a futurist does. A, a futurist isn't necessarily like a, a soothsayer, a guy with a crystal ball and reading tarot and such. That's, that's not what we do. We really just read the trends and we recognize that trends are decisions. So we're looking, if you make this decision, then this will be the outcome of that decision. That's all we're saying. So it's not like, oh, we're going to hold you to those predictions. You, you need to hold your, your fellow uh, citizen to those predictions because the predictions are merely uh, decisions. And again, we can change our minds. So I like to put that preface out there because I think that a lot of people get into the whole idea of, you know, being able, like somehow I came up with something in the back of my brain. It's not like that for me. I'm a journalist. So my job is just to say, here are the decisions that you have made. Here would be the outcomes of those decisions based around how these decisions usually work. So let me get into uh, get into these. The top 10 that I have for 2022, I can truly say that number one on my list with a bullet, as a matter of fact, is um, I'm just going to move this just a little bit so that I can see. Um, the, the democracy as we know it um, is going to continue to be challenged at a level. In fact, in 2022, it's really going to get going, uh, primarily because the people who want the authoritarian kind of government are going to be emboldened, particularly in the elections leading up to the November elections of 2022. There is going to be a definitive challenge to democracy as we know. It's already happening. It's not like it's all of a sudden going to rear its ugly head. It, it is happening. It's happening right now. It's just that it's going to gain speed in 2022. Your thoughts? What's interesting, uh, just today, um, I heard that President Biden is, is getting prepared to address um, 100 world leaders about the, the topic of democracy. And, and basically, he's walking into it, coming from uh, a, a democratic country whose democracy is at threat right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, when patterns like this happen um, th throughout different um, you know, experience, ex experiments, whether it's been communism, socialism, mm -hmm. whatever, there comes yeah. a time where you're going to have pressure against the system. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we're in the middle of now. And I think a lot of it has to do with societal unrest mm -hmm. in some ways unrelated to democracy, but people are becoming so hopeless in many of the aspects of their life mm -hmm. that it's causing us to have this formation of really two camps that are, that are forming um, yeah. with completely different viewpoints of where to go. And I, I yeah. think for me, you know, what we're really lacking in this country is a strong middle of the ground political right. party that, right. could, that could bring some of that together. So unless someone steps up and starts filling that role, we're going to continue the cycle, I think, of unrest that we've been experiencing where the two sides can't agree on anything. Yeah. And, and that's the most infuri infuriating thing about all of this is that obviously 
it, whenever we create these dualities, either this or that, up or down, left or right, black or white, male or female, that absolutely limits the possibilities of, of human creativity and vision. And so we don't have a vision outside of either democracy, and I say democracy with a small d, and, or authoritarianism, and that's how it's being set up. So there's, we haven't provided room for possibilities of anything else. And what's happening is that the, um, and people wanna say, oh, it's both sides. It's not both sides. It is one particular aspect of our society that is pushing forward based around what they believe is a truth. And those are the authoritarians. And they are, they are active, they're more energized. They're definitely going to the polls, make no mistake. And they have been trending uh, as more active for a number of years, as a matter of fact. So there is definitely, uh, they are definitely going to assert themselves in 2022. That's our prediction. That's a, not, that's not a hard one. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I think the other thing that um, the current administration has, has got to find worrisome is that, you know, typically you're going to have resentment from the other side or people saying you're not doing a good job. But right now, mm -hmm. if my numbers are correct, it's between yeah. 78 to 82 percent of, um, you know, of Republicans are, are saying that the administration is doing a terrible job. But mm -hmm. even within the own party, it's 40 percent. Yeah, well, which, I, I just saw some for the 48 percent. So it's well, yeah, the Democrats, you're I'm sorry, don't mean to interrupt. But yeah, that there is a there's a schism, and I think it's because something that you and I talked about maybe just earlier, that I think our vision of democracy is so limited and it doesn't fit the moment that all you're left with is either a failed democracy or authoritarianism because we haven't been creative enough in order to say, is there more that we can do? And what you see with what I say, and this is just me and my political position, I see the Biden administration really trying to double down on what used to be at a time when we really should be creative and empowering and visionary. And, and that's what's creating, that's what's fueling the fire behind the authoritarianists. So, yes. Okay, well, let, let's go to the second one. Okay. Uh, Bitcoin is going to become definitely a dominant player in 2022. Bitcoin, uh, those of you who do dabble in Bitcoin investments, I, I have to tell you, I, you've been on a roller coaster ride definitely over the past couple of years, especially 2021. But uh, I think you're going to be rewarded in 2022 if you hold steady. Um, Bitcoin is still fairly new when it comes to just how long to hold on to it. But I think that there's going to be a level of stability that's going to come with Bitcoin and an upward graduation. And that is going to make it very attractive all the way around. Everybody's going to be talking about Bitcoin going forward. We will be right back to the Passion Struck Podcast. This episode is sponsored by ShipStation. The holidays are the most wonderful time of the year. But if you're running an online store, you also know that it can be the craziest part of the year. I know this firsthand from my experience running both Lowe's.com and Dell.com. There is inventory to manage, orders to fill, and a growing list of stressed out customers who are waiting for their packages. With ShipStation, all of that hassle and stress 
that goes with managing these packages and their delivery goes away in an instant, leaving you with happier customers and more freedom to pursue your passion, which is running your online business. What I personally love about using ShipStation is that it gives you the purchasing power that I had when I was at a Fortune 500 company with so much ease of use. And they connect you with UPS, FedEx, and USPS. So you have all your shippers right there at your fingertips. No wonder that 98% of customers who use ShipStation for a year keep using it as long as they are in business. It's that good. Make this holiday season a little bit brighter with ShipStation. Use my offer code, PASSIONSTRUCK, to get a 60-day free trial just in time for the holidays. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top, and enter the code PASSIONSTRUCK. ShipStation, make ship happen. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Your support of our advertisers keeps the lights on around here. All those codes and URLs I know can be so difficult to remember, so we put them in a convenient place, the show notes for each episode. Please consider those who support us and make this show possible. Now, let's get back to the Passion Struck podcast. Something happened under the Nixon administration that fundamentally changed the monetary system that we live by, and that was up until that time, following World War II, the United States was able to obtain a tremendous amount of gold. And so this concept of the World Bank became reality um, and the United States was kind of the governor of that. And the power was that we had all this gold to back up the US dollar, which became the world's currency Mm -hmm. until some of the countries started to call our bet on it and wanted their gold back. Um, in exchange. And at that point, the Nixon administration started this experiment that we're now living in, um, which has, you know, if people would have called his bluff on it, it would have stopped just then. But it's, it's kind of grown into this society where we just keep printing and printing more money at will, um, Mm -hmm. not backed against anything. And so I, firmly believe in the future. And I don't think it's a future that that, that's that far away that we are going to see a new monetary system emerge. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be around some form of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got three major players right now in the race. One is China, one is the United States, and one is the World Bank. And it's, Mm -hmm. and so I am not so sure it's going to be Bitcoin that prevails. I think Bitcoin was an early representation, kind of sure. an experiment on could this work? And yeah. obviously, um, given there's a finite amount of Bitcoin that, that is out there, um, you know, that yeah. has some beauty to it. And the fact um, of how secure the ledger is, I think people should start looking at some other currencies that are out there. I, I look at Ethereum. in particularly XRP, XLM, and another one, I think it's XTC, but they're basically gold, silver, and copper. And oh, okay. 
they're a much more sophisticated design underneath them than the others. Um, XRP and XLM are currently under right now um, scrutiny um, and a and a lawsuit brought on by you know I think the U.S. Treasury, who thus far has not only lost but has had their basically stuff handed to them because right. the argument has been so weak. So yeah. I would say yes. Um, I am not personally putting my money into Bitcoin. I'm putting it more into other um, coins because I think okay. if you're looking at this and the market really takes off, you're going to have a bigger opportunity to make huge gains in some of these sub currencies than you will in a Bitcoin. Now, Interesting. now to, to me, the, the one area that I'm really trying to learn more about is NFTs, which on the surface, I just don't get how a piece I, I, of digital look, art can be I that have, valuable. But <laughs> I, in fact, because of the fact that and maybe I need to do more homework on it, uh, but because of what I know, I know just enough to be dangerous, but I got to tell you, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. But apparently, I mean, fiat currency doesn't make any sense if you think about it. So I guess if everybody agrees on it, it has value, right? So NFTs are definitely going to continue to increase in value and popularity. I, I, it, it wouldn't be something that I would put money behind, but it, they are definitely going to continue to catch on. And let me substitute my, my, my term there. I use the term Bitcoin, but let me say cryptocurrency. That's a much more broader uh, and uh, term that definitely encompasses a, a lot of what you said. And, yes. Uh, I, well, I just can't understand right now the popularity of people paying half a million dollars for a digital image of a different form of a monkey. I, I, and, where, and where the value is at. But I mean, that's why I'm studying it um, because I think um, I want to enter into it, but I don't okay. understand the dynamics of it enough. Um, you yeah. know, I think yeah. one of the best persons you can listen to on this is probably Tom Bilyeu or Michael yeah. Saylor. Um, yeah. Those are probably two of the, the, the best voices I've heard out there. Sure. Yes. All right. Um, and number three, uh, here's definitely, again, this is kind of a low hanging fruit, but I can tell you for sure, I'll, I already see some things that are going to happen. There will be several climate emergency events that will make the world take notice even more. That does not guarantee that we're going to be more active in doing something about climate crisis. That's the challenge. I mean, that's the real problem. And that's the sad part of all of this, is that there will be constant reminders of how fragile the entire ecosystem is and how climate change is not an environmental thing because it, people tend to talk about, oh, the environment. No, it is about the quality of life all of us lead. And there will be several major emergencies that will happen throughout 2022. I, I already know what they, what they appear to be. I'm holding those cards a little close to the vest right now. But I can tell you that the foundation for crises are already there. It's just all it needs is a little climate nudge. And uh, 2022 is going to be messy. That's all I can say. What do you think? Well, you're, you're sitting there today and in, in where, Denver? Denver, Colorado. Yes. And wasn't there a portion of this year earlier where you couldn't go outside your house because the smoke was so bad 
that um, you were yes. ordered to stay inside due to health reasons? We were worse than New Delhi. And that's that's saying something. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. In, in fact, today, it was our first snowfall for the season. <laughs> that's seven, eight weeks after what we usually do. We're already in drought this year. And uh, that, that's major because the Colorado River, which supplies water for five, five different states, is drying up as well. And then you don't have the mountain snowpack. It, uh, I, I would not, I'll just say this, God bless you all who live in Vegas and Phoenix, but you need to recognize that the water table and the water schedule have been in jeopardy for years and climate crisis is only exasperating the, the entire problem. So. Yeah, I remember a decade ago when I lived in Austin and uh, the way that the, the lake system works in Austin is you've got Lake Travis that um, feeds into Lake Austin and Lake Austin is a constant level lake. But they had made deals with the rice farmers downstream. Mm -hmm. And so when I was there, Lake Travis got so dry that I had friends who lived on Lake Travis, whose boats were sitting on ground, who couldn't even see the water because it was so far away from their houses. So par part of me is like, we've got the worst fires we've ever had. We've had more hurricanes than we've ever had, more cyclones than we've ever had, more impactful tornadoes than we've ever had. And it's just like, what is it going to take for people to realize um, you know, the Dead Sea is drying up. Yes. But I think it comes back to something you brought up earlier on. And, and the real reason we're not dealing with it has to do with if you follow the money, if you follow the power, et cetera. Yep. And I think yep. one of the most telling um, TV series that I've seen recently was Seaspiracy, which I'm not sure if you've seen, but basically what they're concluding is that a big issue around global warming is that the fish that take the carbon dioxide out of the water are being depleted because of commercial fishermen and accidental catch. And it's happening at such a rapid rate that it's because of that cycle yep. and those fish disappearing that we're losing in many ways, the coral reefs, because the whole ecosystem is being broken down. And they did this um, undercover um, examination where the legislative bodies that are supposed to be looking at how much plastic is entering the ocean, what type of fish are we catching, how humanely are we doing it, are lobbyist groups for the fishing industry. You're right. And I think if you look at other parts of this whole climate dynamic, you will probably find the same type of linkage linkages. So yeah, I'm absolutely sure of it. I, I just took a uh, finished my um, a, a class that I did. I took half a year class at Cambridge University on the circular economy, and basically they're trying to push the circular economy because one big thing they recognize that whatever economy that we have established for the past few hundred years is absolutely unsustainable. It, it, this economy eats its young. It, it, it's just unsustainable and everybody knows it, but because we haven't provided a alternative 
and the lack of imagination really on the part of us as citizens, we just were, it's almost like we're on a death watch. And I don't mean to be sad and morose in this inter interview. I want to talk about the affirmative, but I, it is important for us to recognize that whatever we're doing right now is unsustainable. It has, and they know it, it hasn't been that way. It hasn't been sustainable actually since its inception. It's just now we're reaping the, the whirlwind of that unsustainability. And it's, it's those chickens have come home to roost, which is unfortunate. Well, I mean, you could apply the same logic um, in many Western cultures to the decline of the middle class that we're seeing mm -hmm. and the spatial inequality that's resulting in its wake. Yes. Um, but okay. We'll, we'll, let's go to the next one. Yeah, the next one. Um, I, I know this is a very sensitive one, and those of you who are on political positions, God bless you. This is we're not trying to make it a political one. We're just letting you know this is what we're seeing. At least this is what I'm seeing. Uh, Roe v. Wade will definitely be overturned, and there will be civil unrest behind it in 2022. If not completely overturned, it will definitely be gutted. And the, the symbolic nature of gutting Roe v. Wade or abolishing it is more, to me, from a futurist perspective, that's more important to me than, you know, what, how people feel about it one way or another, because the civil unrest part uh, demonstrates that people are at this place, this breaking point about the rollback of, excuse me, Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers... According to a recent survey, saying Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. Um, uh, rights and established law and all of these things that have been there for a while, you're seeing them repealed now um, through this authoritarian attempt. And again, people are going to say, oh, that's you're tying that with authoritarianism. What I'm tying together is that when people are under distress and they see anything pushed back against, such as voter 
uh, voter rights and suppression and those kinds of things, they're going to tie Roe v. Wade in with that and say, all of this is happening at the same time. We're being bulldozed. And then then you'll see some people in the streets. That's what I'm predicting for 2022, for sure. What do you think? Well, well, I had I had hoped the Supreme Court wouldn't uh, take it up because of the huge divides we already have and tension in this country. Um, and for me, philosophically, you know, I was raised in a very Catholic family um, where I was taught all the way through parochial school and Catholic high school, um, you know, about the evils of abortion. Um, but you know, as I have entered you know, adulthood now for several decades, you know, ultimately, I think that there is this freedom of choice. Um, that is what really defines us from all other creatures that are on this planet is everything that humans do is a choice. Um, to, to me, setting something at six weeks seems completely illogical because in many cases, someone might not even know that they're pregnant at that point. Um, yeah, but I am, I am definitely a believer that I don't believe in abortions in like the third trimester, sure. because at that point, I think you've got a fully formed human. Sure. Um, so I, I don't know how to predict where this one is going to go, but definitely either way it lands, you're going to have the opposite side upset. Yeah. The social unrest behind it, it's, which is the point that I really want to make is that it, it's, it's, it serves as a, the tip of the spear of a watershed uh, concerning um, uh, just basic rights. They're going to tie all these things in with the new authoritarian move and, and, and say, and there will be people in the streets about it. More so even than the racial reckoning that was happening after George Floyd, there will be more, I believe, on the streets about Roe versus Wade and the overturning of that, then there will be um, around the racial reckoning. That's, you heard it from me. If it doesn't occur, it's not like, I mean, it's hard to predict, but I, I just believe that there are breaking points inside of um, social constructs. And that's to me, Roe v. Wade is one of them. So uh, after that, I, I am definitely picking that there will be a, a winter, it's already uh, uh, taking place now, the uh, Omicron, but there will be a winter COVID wave and a late spring COVID wave, kind of like last year. We're starting to see this now. This is how it goes. It starts up, it shoots up two to three months. It's at, it's at peak and then it drops down. And then there's a valley where it seems like, oh, we're, we finally mastered this thing. The masks and the vaccines are working. But give it just another month or two, and then you're going to see it. I just I was just looking at the data, and they were showing the waves. It's like this because the variant has that kind of life cycle, or the 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 virus has that kind of life cycle, and the variants are an extension of the life cycle. People think like the variant are like, oh, it's it's a freak. It just appeared out of the blue, but that's not how life works. Life just finds a way, and remember now, the, the virus is a life form. It just finds a way. And we've found that this life cycle is down two months, up two to three months, down two months, up two to three months. So there will definitely be the 
Omicron wave, and then there'll be another one that will come in late spring. Well, the, the thing I'm most fearful of is if you're looking at research that's coming out of South Africa right now, and, and granted, their study is a little bit different uh, than the one coming out of Germany and some other areas, because in South Africa, they based it off of getting two immunizations. Um, but what they're finding is that the current vaccine was 40 times less effective. Yes. And researchers are saying that they have never seen something like this mutate to a form where the efficacy of a vaccine that man has created has dropped so much in so such a short period of time. So, so my, you know, my biggest worry is, you know, we've rushed to develop these vaccines. We're using new mechanisms to at least produce two of them that we've never used before, don't know the long-term impact of, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's not like something like AIDS or smallpox or other things that you've had a tremendous right. amount of time to study. Mm-hmm. They're having to make these decisions in, in real time. And, yes. you know, when we have huge pockets of the world that are still um, unvaccinated, not vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera, it's yeah. of course the, virus is going to start mutating. Um, And my concern is the rate of mutations and how far that mutation could go. Um, And and who knows? Um, I'm not a medical professional at all, but yeah, Yeah. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. No, we're not. As a matter of fact, I I don't want to comment on the rate of mutation because of the fact that I don't know enough about it. I do know the, the cycle that has been established so far and if that cycle continues and the rate of mutation and again i'm like you i know just enough to be dangerous about what the site uh, the mutation process is eventually there will be a a mutant variant that will evade all vaccine uh, ability uh to to corral it in and then we'll have to get another They'll have to develop another version of the vaccine. And how long can you keep up that cycle? That becomes the real challenge. So we are in a very challenging time, but there, I I do believe that there is hope. So uh, let's continue on with the other predictions. Uh, Let me go to this one. Um, There was a, a victory. I think a lot of people may have heard of it, maybe not, but there was a victory in Upper State, New York, and I can't think of the exact city now, where uh, Starbucks unionized, at least one of the stores unionized. That was pretty amazing. So what we're seeing and what I'm suggesting on uh, in 2022 is that you will see a rash of attempts to unionize, and many of them will be successful. A lot of them will not, but there will be many uh, organizations seeking to uh, take advantage of the great resignation. And people need to understand this. The reason why unions are gaining their uh, a level of strength now is really because of four reasons. People t- talk about the great resignation <clears throat> primarily, excuse me, that resignation is in the middle to lower class service job. So it's not like if you're looking out and into your office and seeing people 
uh, white collar workers run away from their jobs. They're not. They're, they're still getting paid. It's the people who basically keep the economy going, the service workers. They're the ones that are doing the resignations who are saying, I'm not getting paid enough. This is crazy. So the great resignation is happening. They're reevaluating what, what they should be doing. And then you have the population bust. Most people have, may not have heard about this, but we're no longer in a population boom. We're in a population bust. That means we have fewer people actually able to fill jobs. Then we have a mess of an immigration process, which means we can't even get people in that possibly could fill in those jobs. Uh, not effectively. It's just a mess all the way around. We haven't done Im immigration reform. And then you have an older population that's just older. A lot of people are retiring. The baby boomers are like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. This is nuts. So you have a, a shrinking population that you can draw from that even Amazon had to go back and say, we're going to raise rates. We're going to give people more money. And that's not their style. So there will be a, a, the unionization process will happen because uh, employees are going to figure it out. They are figuring it out. We have more power now than we've ever had since the Industrial Revolution. We need to lean into it and take advantage of it. So I see 2022 being the year of the employee for sure. Well, I think things are definitely shifting, no, no doubt about it. Um, I had the opportunity of having a firsthand experience at this because I worked for Lowe's um, as a senior executive for six years. And wow. I can tell you for any major retailer, um, it is a board topic at every board meeting, the threat of potential unionization because it can cripple the whole labor elasticity model that these retailers have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so if this is a potential way of opening the door, you know, there's attempts to unionize all the time. Um, and they typically try to find some place to start it. You know, at Lowe's, it was around the dis distribution center. Um, at Walmart, I think it was around a collection of stores. You know, at, at Starbucks, it's this. Um, but I, I will tell you, um, we started to trend probably 25 years ago, um, I'm, I'm just guessing it was around that time frame where we started to outsource jobs. And I just want to take one common area. Um, there are so many leaders today um, who are baby boomers or even my generation who got their start in customer service. Um, and because you get good at understanding the customer, those who were very good at it were promoted into sales jobs or operations jobs or other things. But the starting point was typically, you know, working these customer care types of positions because mm -hmm. you could see people who really excelled at it. And now that we've gutted probably 85 to 90% just in that one area, I'm not even going to touch manufacturing, other yeah. things, yeah. we have completely cut out that breeding ground where, you know, young people can learn and make mistakes and grow and have a learning opportunity because yep. there's no better way that you're going to understand a company than by having to stand behind the products that it sells. Yep. Um, and so this is where I get to this dwindling, you know, the information age brought on by the fourth industrial revolution, coupled with outsourcing, coupled with this whole thing about entitlement and self um, you know, the need for yeah. 
you know, the self to feel important, I think is causing a tremendous amount of this unrest and it's only going to increase. Um, And I think people are going to try to look for the safety of something like a union where it's much easier for them to hold on to their job than Mm -hmm. it to get outsourced. Just my two cents. Yeah, no, the outsourcing, you're right, about 25. Honestly, I can trace everything when it comes to employee the the when employees' wages got stuck when we started having these other problems uh, and the outsourcing of jobs. Uh, honestly, most people don't know this when they they think about when uh, the outsourcing of jobs happened. Uh, they think that it was primarily because of China and Mexico and those places. But the reality is that a a good portion of those jobs disappeared because of automation. In fact, 80% of the, really the working jobs took, were, were the, disappeared because of automation. People were talking about the robots are coming for your job. The robots have all, have already been here, particularly since about 1980. There's something, there's a watershed moment with the Reagan administration on so many different levels, but definitely when it came to uh, (laughs) automating jobs, sorry about that, and uh, the whole aspect of outsourcing, the whole neoliberal model, getting the jobs out, you could save money and obviously you could uh, take care of your stockholders. Um, Well, I have to chime in here because this is like at, at the cornerstone for one of the reasons passion struck is in existence. And that is because of this very area. You know, if you look right now, there are a billion full-time workers across the globe. Um, Between 70 and 85% of them are already disengaged and loathe their jobs. Um, If you look at the trends from things like robotics, AI, automation, Mm -hmm. There are studies that show anywhere between 450 million and 750 million of those full-time jobs are going to be displaced over the next 20 years, sure. which, which leads me to people are going to have to re-educate themselves and re-skill set themselves. And I think, you know, just like during the industrial age and, and even before that, how we had blacksmiths and how we had specialists, I think we're going to get much more into that economy where people are solopreneurs, but people yeah. aren't trained, nor is our education system or our government right. system or our big institution system doing anything to retrain them all. Um, and I think that that whole gap is, is a yeah. huge thing that's upon us right now. And why yeah. I, I actually founded Passion Struck to try yeah. to find a systematic way to start helping people think through it. It's funny. Okay, so you and I definitely are contemporaries because uh, I founded my company, UBR, Universal Basic Resources, uh, based around the idea that exactly what you said, that all these people will be displaced. So we have to reimagine how societies work. And one of the things that people kept talking about was universal basic income as a way of being able to put that groundwork, that foundation for people, and then being able to train them up in the way of innovation, creativity. All of the UBI, universal basic income projects that I saw that came up, particularly out of Kenya, 
uh, Sierra Leone and some places in South America is that once people had a guaranteed income that they wouldn't fall through uh, the cracks and, and they would be displaced, they became more creative, more innovative. They became more entrepreneurial. They, instead of one fishing boat, they bought another one because they knew that they could, they, they now didn't have to scramble to pay bills. And I kept thinking to myself, that's where we need to go, at least to create a space. And these are people who are not trained entrepreneurs. They were just entrepreneurs by, because they had to in order to make a living. But once they had some basic foundation, they were able to really expand. And that, that Kenyan study was just amazing and how it empowered a community when you had a stable income inside of the people, just two or three families with a stable income, no questions asked, had that money. That money multiplied about 20 times over inside of that community because there was a stability and people had the money to give. The community became just two or three families inside of an entire community. Can you imagine that? That's so unbelievable. It is. A, it, is it was stunning. And I had to look over the numbers and they, they kept talking about it. So there, there are ways of being able to create a new kind of economy, but our lack of imagination is really at the root of it and at, not at the root, but it's one of the pillars that's keeping us stuck along with um, you know, organizations and companies saying, we're gonna milk this cow until it falls over and, and, and you know, let the society be damned. We're, it's all about shocked uh, shareholder value. And you cannot, that's just insane when you have a house that's burning and you're reshuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, that, that, that it makes no sense. But we've been doing it for so long, we think it's normal, but it's really, it's not healthy on, on multiple levels. So anyway, let me get to the other predictions. Yeah, I'm um, gonna let you, I'm gonna let you run through some of these given okay. our, our time. Uh, if, yeah, I, absolutely. if I feel like I'm gonna comment, <laughs> I, I will, but I'll let you go through them. Absolutely, let me just run through the, the last few here. Uh, geoengineering projects will be front and center uh, next year, you're going to hear a lot about geoengineering uh, with the oceans, with the sun. Uh, I, I, am, I think that those tests are premature and dubious at best, but that's just one man's uh, view. I know we have to try some things for sure, but geoengineering is definitely going to be on everybody's lips come next year. Uh, we're going to blow past our ability to limit temperatures to do two degrees Celsius. And that's because uh, we've already made a decision to increase our oil uh, uh, manufacturing and use and coal use just this year because of the lack of supplies that occurred occurs, uh, uh, apparently according to the pandemic. I, I'm not sure if I buy that story, but uh, we've actually increased our oil output and our use of coal just in 2021. Uh, deaths of despair will skyrocket uh, next year. Uh, I think that uh, because there's this lack of a conversation of something bigger and more profound, people are just going to just get to the place where it's just going to be tough for a lot of people. It's already tough for people, but it's becoming tougher. And then finally, and can I just touch on that? I'm, I just want yeah. to make a comment, and that is yes. Please. You know, I've had uh, two or three good friends over the past uh, five years take their own lives. Um, yep. 
And I, you know, I did a uh, episode on this earlier in the year with a friend of mine who's a prior, prior Marine. Um, but just in the United States alone, you know, we often talk about the veteran suicide rate, which is, is high, you know, between 19 to 21, 22 a day. Yeah. Um, and and I, I will just tell you, if you look at the past 20 years, there were, you know, 51, 5,200 people who lost their lives in combat. There were close to 175,000 people who took their own lives. Um, but last year alone, um, based on the latest statistics um, that were put out, and this was before the pandemic, you know, there were 46,000 suicides in the United States and over 800,000 worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trend is only growing. So yes. to, to me, it all comes back to this whole thing that we're talking about, that more and more people are feeling hopeless mm-hmm. about what's happening in the world and their situation. So I would yeah. just say, if there's anyone who's out there who's feeling that way, mm-hmm. give me a call. Yeah. Uh, you know, find someone who can help you because there is another way. There is another way. And I, I can say this. I went through a bit of some uh, depression years ago, and I can remember being in that moment thinking there is no way out of this. And fortunately, I had some colleagues and a therapist who really kept all they did was just remind me. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. They didn't try to fill in the gap. They just in, in a sense, they held the space. They just said, yes, there's another way. You just haven't discovered it yet. We want to be able to hold that space for you so that you will discover that it's there. It's, it, it's hard to see right now when it's really dark, when you look around and you see some of the darkness, but it's there, trust me, trust me on this one. The way out is there. It's just our job really as futurists is to help you to see the unseen so that you can develop that, that imagination that leads to the way out. It's, it's, and again, I use my own personal experience. There is a way out. You just- yeah. And I'm going to just throw one other thing in here. Earlier in yeah. the year, we had uh, Dr. Michael Lewis on the podcast. He was put in a position for seven years by the U.S. government of analyzing why traumatic brain injuries kept happening and why they kept getting worse. And he found a corollary between them and people who committed suicide. And they were both extremely low on high quality omega-3s. So a way, if you are depressed or if someone is feeling this way that you can self-medicate yourself is by finding high quality omega-3s and doing mega doses of them. I will just throw it out there. Good to know. Thank you. And then um, my final prediction, um, this is a little more vague than the other ones, but I think it's appropriate. Everything that I'm seeing says that there's room for something really socially relevant to emerge. I don't know what that is, but I definitely see there's a there's a vacuum that exists in our society here in the States and really around the world, but it's a social vacuum and something or someone is going to try to fill it. And there's a space for it to take place. However way that's going to be filled, it could be messy. It could be quite neat. It could be the best thing that ever happened to us, but there is something that's going to happen in 2022 that will be socially relevant and it will emerge and it will help to fill a, a vacuum. I just don't know what that is right now. So okay. those are my predictions. 
Well, Chet, thank you for sharing all those. Um, if a person uh, uh, who's listening would like to learn more about you or get in contact with you, how can they do that? And I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Please. Um, so one of the ways that we're fighting some of the hopelessness that's going on out there is providing what we call the UBR, excuse me, the U Universal Basic Resources Masterclass. And forgive me for waving like this. I have a plant that my wife put into the room and it has fleas or flies or whatever it is. And it's just been bothering. Forgive me, people, <laughs> if you see me waving. I'm waving at you, too, but <laughs> it's just there just everywhere. It's crazy. Um, so, again, our way of being able to help people deal with the, the hopelessness and the challenge of the moment is to meet the moment with an ongoing online class called the UBR Masterclass. We have fantastic teachers that deal with change, trend analysis, the circular economy, health and well-being and just leadership from a different perspective, something that's more appropriate for this moment. And you can find all the information about me and the masterclass at uh, universalbasicresources.com. That's universalbasicresources, one word, dot com. And that's where, where we live. And uh, honestly, John, my, my mission is to recognizing that this moment, I'm like you, we recognize the moment. We, recognize that we have to do something in order to empower people and be able to provide levels of hope and give them the tools so that they can navigate the next few years. I, the next few years will be absolutely critical. So I'm going to do everything within my power. That's the calling that's been put upon my heart. And uh, so it's, it's coming from the heart. Um, because we, we, again, those of us who know the, the critical nature of this moment, know that we have to come clear and true and and uh, tangibly and it, it has to make sense and it has to do it in a hurry so well it's interesting um and i, and I think you'll share this view that i do um I, I happen to know quite a few astronauts i've had three on the show hopefully going to have a fourth coming up here soon but every time you talk to one of them they they reference the overview effect um, which is once they go up into space they come back realizing that the way they viewed the world was completely wrong and mm -hmm. into an isolated lens. And it's really all a huge system mm -hmm. and we're all in this system together. And so, yes. you know, one of the biggest things that, that uh, we're trying to do with this podcast and with the passion struck movement is to get people from a self-centric view to a world centric view because yeah. we need more people who are solving novel problems mm -hmm. that positively impact the society of the future. Yeah. And Lord knows we've got enough of them. Um, but <laughs> it, it takes people living to their fullest in order to do that. But it all starts with something original. Because if you yeah. copy what someone else is doing, that's all you're ever going to be is a copy. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So I have... I I yeah, have go ahead. One last thing, if I can, I'll, I'll leave with this, if I may. This is. Uh, well, I got four I have, more questions for you. They're quick ones, <laughs> oh, but, okay. but go ahead. Okay, so then, and then, then I'll ahead. get to that. Okay, let's do the four questions. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I, I always end with, you know, just first thing that comes up to your mind. So I'll, I, I think this one will be interesting coming from you. Um, if there was someone that you can meet who you've never met, whether they're deceased or alive today, who would it be? Wow. It would be Malcolm X. 
I, after reading more about his life, I recognized that he was doing transition, personal transition in real time, right before all of us. And I kept thinking to myself, if we were all that naked with our personal transition, I think the world would be different because we, we would be able to say, hey, I used to believe this, now I believe this. I used to believe this, now I believe this, as opposed to holding on to ideas that made no sense until, you know, you know, forever. And I saw that in him. Once I read his autobiography, I realized he was in transition a lot of the times, but he was not afraid of that. So I want to be that kind of person of being able to be open and to be transformative and to be just, I want to be an example that you can transform in real time and it's okay. It's a good thing. So I want to meet him and talk to him about that. Okay. Um, you know, I know um, Elon Musk is trying to save humanity from itself by <laughs> finding a way to get us to Mars. Um, so if you were one of the first people he selected to go to Mars and he said, Chet, you can set up any law that you want, but you only get one, what would it be? I would say I'd set up the law that we cannot leave to go to Mars until we solve the problems here on Earth. So I would banish the entire to Mars program until we get this Earth stuff settled because wherever we go, there we are. We don't settle it here. What makes us think that we're gonna somehow get it fixed on Mars? We, we'd be just bringing the same disease there. So I, I would that would be my first law, banish the, the to Mars program and fix the stuff here on Earth. Okay. And if, if you were invited on the Late Late Show um, and you got to do some car karaoke, what would be the song that you would sing? <laughs> oh, man. You got me on this one. Um, I think I would sing... There's an old Earth, Wind, and Fire song called Keep Your Head to the Sky. It's very optimistic and it's inspiring. And I would want to sing that one. I, 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 Philip Bailey does a beautiful falsetto. I don't know if I'd be able to achieve that falsetto, but I'd give it my best because I love the lyrics of the song. It's, it's extremely inspiring and empowering. Okay. Yeah. And then the last question is, you know, what does a futuristic, what does a futurist read? So if you were going to recommend a book to the audience, what would it be? Wow. I can tell you this. A futurist reads everything, <laughs> everything, because we, we recognize that you get a composite of where everything is going but by reading everything. That means I read Vogue. I read Teen Vogue. Uh, I read uh, the, Denver, uh, the Denver Post has a paper here. I read Fortune. I, I read Black Enterprise. I, I read, um, I name the stuff that I don't read. That would be a, a smaller list, but I read absolutely everything. In fact, I spend at least three hours a day just reading just to get a feel of where things are going. But if I had to recommend something, I would say, read my first book, Seven Steps to Success I Learned from Homeless People. That's a good book about personal transition and transformation. Okay. Well, well, great. Well, did you want to conclude on your, your earlier thought or? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just make it real quick. There is something called the Kardashev scale. Are you familiar with that? I, I don't Kardashev think so. Scale? Okay. There is, so there's this 
paradox that exists. People say, oh, the universe is, is teeming with other civilizations all around. Millions upon billions, hundreds of millions of civilizations are out there because we have hundreds of billions of planets and stars. And so there's this French uh, astronomer by the name of, uh, what is his name, Enrico Fermi. And he said, well, if that's the case, where are the aliens? We don't see them. They're nowhere. And then a Russian physicist came back and he says, ah, the reason why you don't see that, that's, by the way, that's called the Fermi paradox, in case you hear it. Then the Russian uh, physicist, uh, Kardashev, came in and he says, the reason why you don't see them is because they never reach what they call a type one civilization. And, I, and he explained that the type one civilization, the only way that you can get to that type one civilization is when the civilization is in the middle of crisis. When all hell breaks loose for a civilization, overall global civilization, stratification, authoritarianism, pollution, divisiveness, in that moment, a civilization must decide what it wants to be when it grows up. He says a lot of civilizations don't make it. They get to this point, they collapse under their own weight, they get destroyed, and all we see are relics. We are in that point right now. Now, we might have been at this point before. This could be Groundhog Day for us, but there is an opportunity for us to finally become a type one civilization and escape this feedback loop where we're constantly cycling around, doing the same thing over and over again, getting greedy, jealous, bitter, racist, sexist, and then we just collapse under our own weight. But there's a moment where there will be people like you, John, and others that will arrive, arrive at the right time and help the entire civilization transform. Then we become type one. Then we become something else. So what, what's happening right now, I want to remind everybody that we're being asked, what do we want to be when we grow up? We might make the trip. I'm believing that we will because of people like John that exist. And there are others all around the world but we are definitely at the moment of we're standing at the abyss and we are being challenged to become something else. And my hope and my prayers are that we will become that something else. Okay. Well, let's end it on that. Um, Chet, thank you so much. Um, I know we threw this one together quickly. It's going to air uh, right before the end of the year. And I, you know, I think the timing's great. So thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. What a fun interview that was with Chet Sisk. And I also wanted to highlight some other recent episodes that we've done throughout the month of December in case you missed them. Earlier, we had Jessica Folds on, who at 15 years old found out that she had MS. And she talks about how she is now thriving because of her change in diet and how big an impact that has had on her well-being and could on yours as well. We had Nathalie Plamondon Thomas, who talks about how to be your best self and succeed in life. We also had on Christina Sparks, the CEO and founder of Salgani Activewear and her story of why she discovered that brand and how she has turned her passion for giving into a business. And lastly, we had on Christina Pujol Jensen, who discusses how you transition when you're on top of your game. 
And during today's episode, Chet mentioned a number of books that he has written that will appear both in the show notes and in our books section on passionstruck.com. Please check out all those books and my complete list of my favorite books and those that were recommended by our guests. Just go to passionstruck.com slash books. And remember, those are all powered by affiliate links. And the proceeds from those books goes to support everything that we do here on the show. And if there's a person that you would like to see me interview like Chet, please DM me on Instagram at John R. Miles, or you can catch me on LinkedIn at John Miles. Thank you so much for helping us with this global movement to help people live intentionally and unlock no regrets life. I appreciate you so much and your support of the show. Have a great 2022 and I'll see you next year. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Struck Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passion Struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us. 